Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness, and we thank you, God, for your people, for your church, Father. I pray, Father, today, Lord, as, as, we, as we gather here together, I pray, Lord, that we would have our heart ready to hear your word, and I pray you prepare us, Father. Take, a, take all that's been a distraction to our life and remove it from us. Father God, we want that this word will be a transformational word in our life, that it would change our way of thinking, that it would change and, and renew our mind, that it will restore our heart back to the heart of worship, Father God. I pray, Father, for your people. I pray for my heart. I pray for wisdom, Lord, to be poured out. And, Father, that people would leave here different than how they came in. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you weren't here on Wednesday, um, we encourage you to, to listen to that preaching. It was so powerful. It was so good. And, and Pastor Bishop, uh, Bishop Joaquin shared on private and public inside and outside. And he talked about the disciples. He talked about how the disciples were with Jesus and how the Pharisees, what they had in their heart, he shared in Matthew 23, 28, that even so, you also outwardly appear righteous. He told them, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so this thing that has to do with having a, um, a public appearance of showing the, the, the Christian that we are is not just an outwardly thing, but it's what's really happening on the inside. And so these Pharisees are people that appeared to be righteous. And this is what's shared on Wednesday. But the inside, it was full of hypocrisy. It was full of sin. It was fake. It was clean and looking and shiny, all good on the outside, with a smile on their face. But on the inside, there was emptiness. There was lies. There was deceit. There was hypocrisy. And so it's, it, at the end of the day, it really is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the inside. Because when God changes you from the inside, he'll change you on the outside. And God would use the outside to impact this world. And so there needs to be a balance, we, we learned on Wednesday. There needs to be a balance on making sure that what we do in secret is also being shown in public so that it can impact this world. Because there are some things we need to do in secret. We fast in secret. We pray in secret. We close the door and get in our closet and worship the Lord and, and pray to God, and that's awesome. But we also need to bring that publicly. We need to fast as a church. We need to pray as a church. And that impacts the world that impacts the world around us and so it's a matter of the heart and so today i'm sharing part two of this message and so matthew 15 8 it says these people draw near to me jesus says with their mouth and they honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me and so you could honor, you can come to the house of the Lord and look at these words on the screen. You could lift your hands and your lips can worship the Lord, but your heart could be so far away from that. And that's not the worship God wants. 
God wants you to have an alignment of your lips and your heart aligned so that there's a genuine worship so that what's coming out of your lips is a result of what's occurring in your life in your heart on the inside and so true worship to the Lord occurs when God does a true transformation in your life when he changes you when he sets you free you see when I was 17 years old I gave my heart to Jesus and I knew the disaster that I lived and to know that there was a loving God that would take my life and would wash me clean and would give me a reason to live gave me an incredible motivation gave me an incredible passion to be grateful for the rest of my life so that I would give it to him in worship so what the change that happened in my heart became worship out of my lips because it happened here and so it was a transformation in my heart that changed it all and that's what true worship is really about it's what God has done in your life and that you come to the house of the Lord and it isn't just lip service anymore but it's what's coming out is gratefulness like thank you Jesus it's a hallelujah it's the highest praise and it's not just the house of the Lord you know what God I don't want to stop I want to worship and pray without ceasing. I want to get in my car and continue to worship you. I want to sit at my desk at work and still thank you. All the days of my life, everywhere that I go, because he changes you in the inside, that's what's going to happen to you on the outside. And so that's what, that this is the heart of God. He's looking for true worshipers, the Bible says. He's seeking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's, it's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. It can't be fake. It can't be lip service. He's looking for an outward expression of our worship to the Lord, to him. Verse Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, we can see a ton of worshipers with our eyes in this place. Everybody lifts their hands and everybody worships the Lord and everybody says hallelujah. And that's what we see on the outside. But what God sees, he sees the heart. And so you could fool man, but you can never fool God. So make sure that you examine your heart. Say, Lord, am I at the place where you want me to be? And I'm talking about spiritually in your life, in your walk with the Lord. Am I bringing honor and glory to your name? Worship isn't just a song. It's a life that you live and it's an expression of what's happening inside your heart. What God has done here, I'm going to serve him outwardly in every area that I can. And that's worship. That I don't just sing a song to him, but I devote my life to him. It's a devotion. We put our devotion in too many things sometimes. In other things, in other areas. And that becomes your idol. That becomes your worship. That becomes the reason you live. So we need to ask the Lord, Lord, today, examine our heart. 
And this was David's heart in Psalm 139, verse 23. He said, Lord, search me, examine me. And I got to do this once in a while because I sometimes feel like, yeah, everything's all right. Everything's good. But I say, no, Lord, I need you to examine me because I know I'm not perfect. I know I need change. I know there's areas in me that may not please you. And I want you to signal that out so that I could change my life, so that I could be obedient to what your word says. And, it's, and, he, and, and this is David's heart. He's a worshiper before the Lord. And, he's, and he's so, his heart is so dear and near to the heart of God. So much that he wants to please the Lord. That he says, Lord, search me, oh God. And, and I want you to know my heart. He, he, God already knows his heart. But it's the attitude of saying, know me. Here's an open heart. I want you to perform open heart surgery in my life. I'll try me, test me. And know my anxieties, my worries. Verse 24, and Lord, see if there's any wicked way in me. If there's any darkness, if there's anything that's not pleasing to you, and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is a genuine heart. And it's, and it's, and it's humbling ourselves before the Father. And it's the same way as, 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 as a person humbling ourselves before our biological father or our spiritual father, whoever God has placed in your life, and saying, look, I want to be an open book. Search me. If there's anything that is, is not pleasing to the Father in heaven, I want you to signal that out in my life. I want you to, to lead me, to help me. And so that that spiritual father can be a reflection of our father in heaven. And we could have that. But it's all about the heart. We need to have a genuine heart. We need to have a humble heart before the Lord. The Father desires. The Father's desire is that when we examine, when he examines your heart, that he finds truth in there. That's his desire. He doesn't want to find sin. He doesn't want to find darkness. And if, he'll, he, and if he does, he'll signal it out so you can take it out. But what he wants to find is truth life in your heart and we read that in psalm 51 6 it says behold lord you desire truth in the inward parts and in in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom god's desire of truth in our inward parts is not just knowing it it's not just knowing truth it's not just believing it it's not just singing songs about it. It's about living it. That's the truth that God wants to find in our life. It's fulfilling the purpose of God. That is what man's all is all about. That's man's everything. To, to, that the Lord would find truth in you. That you would not just believe it, but that you would live it out. That you would be obedient to his word. That's fulfilling the pur purpose of God for your life. And Paul told us in Romans, he says, in Romans 12, 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. There needs to be a transformation on the inside so that there could be a work on the outside, so that there can be fruit on the outside 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have a way of thinking sometimes that doesn't make sense. That's why the Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding because our own understanding will take us the wrong path. So renew our mind, this verse says, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Today, let's have a renewing of our mind. Let's have a renewing inwardly, renewing the way of doing things our own way so that we can do the will of God outwardly and be an impact to this world. The problem lies with what's, what a man pursues. The problem lies with what a man pursues in this life. The man, and I'm talking about men and women, we pursue a lot of the wrong things in life. And King Solomon was a perfect example of this. Because here's a man, not only was he king and he had the title, but he had everything he wanted. And in verse, and in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, we're going to read that now. We're going to read about everything he had. And he had everything that you and I dream of having on this earth. The treasures of this earth. Everything man pursues on earth, he had it. He said everything in life was vanity. He wrote 12 books. There's 12 chapters in the book of Ecclesiastes. And in those 12 chapters, he talks about everything he had. Everything he experienced in life. And as he was writing... And as he was saying what he had, he said, it was vanity. Meaning it was empty. It was without purpose. It was meaningless. And he didn't find fulfillment in that. It was a void looking for things and trying to fill himself with the temporary of this world. So in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 3, He says, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine. He searched a way he looked on how he can satisfy his flesh. So it's not like it just came to him. He looked for it. It was a seeking of his heart to want to satisfy this flesh. And in verse, let's go to verse 4. He said, I made my works great. I built for myself houses, planted myself vineyards. Verse 5. I made myself gardens and orchids and orchards. And I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. He had the greatest of the greatest. Verse 6. I made myself water pools. Listen, a lot of us build maybe one pool, if anything, in our lifetime. He had multiple pools. He probably had a lazy river. He probably had it all in his backyard. He had a palace. But he couldn't be satisfied with just one. He wanted more. Next verse. 
He says, I acquired male and female servants. Not only did I have everything, I had people serving me, I had people cooking for me, I had people cleaning for me, doing everything that I needed. Servants born in my house, yes. I had greater possessions. I and mean, he had a lot of pride too. I had more of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. Verse 8, and, and by the way, notice the word I, how much, and myself is, is shown here. He's talking a lot about himself. I also gathered for myself silver, gold. I got money and special treasures of kings and the provinces. I acquired male and female. I got my own singers. I had my own band whenever I wanted. The delights of the son of man and musical instruments of all kind. Forget about having it on a, on a phone or on a speaker. He had it way better than that. He had live entertainment anytime he wanted. Verse 9, so I became great in his eyes, and he excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, by the way, I'm a smart man. My wisdom remained with me. Verse 10, whatever my eyes desired, whatever I looked at and I wanted it, I got it. I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward for all my labor. Verse 11, then I looked at all the works of my hands. I started and I looked across everything I had, all that I just mentioned. And he says, and indeed all, everybody say all, all was vanity. All was empty. All was meaningless. All was without purpose. And he says, and it's grasping for the wind. And so I always tell people, I want you to go outside and start grasping the wind. Like, just start grasping the wind. Just to get it. Go grab it. You're going to look like a fool out there trying to grasp nothing. Because when you look at your hands, there's nothing in your hands. Well, he said, all of that that I pursued is like going outside and grasping the wind. I'm not getting anything out of this. None of it's bringing me satisfaction. None, none of it is bringing me purpose. He got to the point in his life where he says, I hated life. And that's where it'll take you. And this is a man who pursued the things that men pursue on this earth. With all their heart, they work so hard for it to get more stuff, to get more toys, to get whatever they can, to drive the best car, to get the best of the best, and to get more of it because they aren't satisfied with it to the point where he says, I hate life. This is what life is about. This thing's. And that's, it's a matter of what's happening in the heart. And so he writes these 12 chapters. I encourage you to read it. It is powerful to see what he went through. And he talked about seasons and, and, and what the things that he pursued during those seasons. And he'll, and he'll throw in there, look, and I also tried this. And I also tried that. But none of it. He, he says there was no prophet under the sun. And in chapter 12, at the end of all these chapters... One of the final verses in verse 13, he says, I'm going to tell you the conclusion of the matter. I'm going to tell you the conclusion of all about life. I figured it out. You got to fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. It's nothing that I tried. Everything that I tried was meaningless. This is the conclusion. I should have done this initially. But I figured it out. Don't do everything I just did. He's the expert. He's gone through it all. And he's telling you, don't go through everything I did. It ain't worth it. There's nothing that I tried, Solomon is telling you, that you haven't. Because everything my eyes wanted, I got it. And it was meaningless. It was worthless. 
But at the end of the day, you need to fear God and keep his commandments. The word keep means to obey his commandments. That's life. Life is about fearing the Lord. Lord, I, I love you. I worship you because you're God and I'm not. Your ways are higher than my ways. My, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I honor your word because this is way greater than my opinion. This is instruction for my life. I want to keep these commandments. I want to obey these commandments. I want to be a doer of your word. And that's the moment where God will change your life. The moment that this becomes a reality inside of you. When we fear God and obey his word, this is man's all, man's purpose. He will be satisfied. For the first time in life, Solomon found satisfaction in the Lord when he feared God and obeyed his word. And he's going to change you from the inside out for the glory of God. So the answer lies when a man pursues the heart of God, desiring to bring him glory with their time, with their talents, and their treasure. And I want to talk about that. Because that's given to us as a gift. Time is a gift. Our talents is a gift. Our treasures are a gift. And we're the owner of none of that. God's even the owner of time. And he could say goodbye to you like that. Of our time on this earth. So it's precious. Our talent is a gift. And so we need to be what God is giving to us. Is not a gift so you could own it. It's a gift so you could manage it. You're just the manager of what God has given you. In other words, being a good steward of what God gives you. And so I want to talk about time. God has given man the gift of time. And we need to value it as it's a gift. It's, it's precious. So sometimes I, I have to think when someone tells me, uh, can you go to this place with me or can you go over here? I got to say, is it, worth, is, it, is, it, is it worth to waste time on that? Or is it purposeful to do it? Because time is valuable. And we must understand the usefulness of time and begin investing our time wisely. Some love to use their time sleeping more. You wake up in the morning, you hear that alarm. We love the snooze button. Snooze, oh, just one more, five more minutes. Five more minutes. Famous words in my, in my house with my kids. Five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes. We love hitting the snooze button. We love getting a little bit more sleep. And the Bible says a little sleep, a little slumber leads a man to poverty. That's scary. Just, just sleep a little bit. It's not that one morning that'll lead you to poverty. I, I snooze once in a while. I want to rest in. But just, you give in to that. It feels so good. And then, you give again, and you give again a little bit, it'll lead eventually to you being so lazy that you don't want to work anymore. And leads to poverty. And poverty in every area. I'm not just talking about financial. You're going to lose time in the precious things you need to spend time in and where you need to invest time in. And so one of the greatest verses that really changes my life and values time is Psalm 90, verse 12. The Bible says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. I always tell people, look, the average, the average age of death in the U.S. is 79. 
I thought that was pretty young, but it's the average age. It's a fact. And so I said, okay, let's say I reach the average age of 79. I subtract my age. I'm okay to say my age. I'm 44. I subtract it. That's 35 years left. And when you subtract 30, when you multiply 35 years times 365 days, I got like about 12,000 days left of life. I just numbered my days if I live to the average. I hope I live more, but whenever God's in charge of time. So I'm going to value time now. So, so, so I'm, I got 12,000 days left if I reach the average. And the next thing you notice, you blink your eye, you got 3,000 days left. And then you got 100 days and 10 days. So I, I, I tell people what I do is, uh, I don't do this, but what you could do is, you know those things you rip away that tells you the day of the, of the week or the, the month, uh, the 20th, the 21st. I recommend you put the amount of days you got left, 12,000. And start just rip away every day. I got 11,999. And just go and just keep on going until you got like five days left. What are you going to do with your time? If you knew you got five days to live, how would you live your life? You would live it to the fullest. You would give your best to God. That's, you just gained the heart of wisdom by doing that, by numbering those days. It changes your perspective of everything. So Lord, teach me to number my days so that I could gain a heart of wisdom so I can make my life purposeful with my time and value it even more because it's precious while I have it here. It's very temporary. And so the way you got to look at it is when you're tearing away those days, I'm, that's how many days I got left to get to heaven. I'm excited about that. And so I want to make it purposeful while I'm here on earth. It changes everything when you know you got a few days left. Well, live it like if it was your last. The days are shrinking. And it's not, and, and this verse is not talking about the ability to count the number of days or to predict how many days we got left. I can't predict that. I don't know. It could be today and it could be, you know, 40 years from now. I have no idea. Or 50. Whatever the Lord wants to give me. But numbering our days is realizing the brevity of life. How short life is. And it means knowing that we only have this amount of days and we're going to live each day to the fullest. I always tell the, or the youth used to tell me that, that their four years of high school just went by like that. They tell me this after. And then, and then they, they notice, and then I see they're, they're almost graduating college like that. And then all of a sudden, you see them walking down the aisle. I'm like, whoa, where are all these? And then eventually, they'll, 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 they, they get married, and they, um, they'll have children, grand, make people some grandparents. And so it's, it, it happens, and life goes by so quick around us. And many have missed out, unfortunately, on precious moments in their life. And they'll never be able to recover that. So, Lord, maybe I've missed areas in my life and I've missed moments in my life. But I want to live what I've got left for, to give you glory. And I want to give it the very best. doesn't matter what age it's at. It's never too late to give glory to God with your time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. So whatever season you're in in your life, whether you're a young person in this place, you're an older person in this place, everything in your life, you've had so many seasons. You've had that season of that middle school and, and high school and the college time, and then you started your career, you got married, you had kids, if you did. Whatever it is, you're in that season. Maybe you're in the season of, 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 of being a grandfather, grandmother. This is, there's a time and there's a purpose in the season that you're in. 
So make it valuable and make it the best. Our talents. Our talents are also a gift from God. And they're unique to each of us. The gift that God has given each person here is unique to them. The gift that God's given me, the gifts that God has given me are unique to the gifts that God has given you. But he's gifted everybody here with so many things. You say, I don't have no talents. I don't do this or that. Well, I'm going to show you today how you can realize what you're missing and how it is in you, how the gift is in you. It's given to us with a purpose to use it for the glory of God. That's the reason you're gifted. That's the reason God's given you what you have. Again, it's, it's not so you could own the gift. It's so that you could manage it, that you could steward it. So that you could use it with a purpose to glorify your God. And so I used to tell the, the youth all the time, especially when they were in middle school and high school, I tell them, and they, and they know this, I tell them all the time, stir up the gift that's in you. Because there's a gift in each and every one of you. And there's a gift in each and every one of you, people of God. And so the, the Bible says that in 2 Timothy 1, 6. It says, therefore, I remind you, and I'm going to remind you today, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I'm going to remind you today to stir up the gift that's in you. And so I brought an illustration. And here I've got some dirt and I've got, I got something to stir the dirt. But this is your life. And inside of you, inside of you, there is a gift. Let me remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. There's a gift inside of you, in each and every one of you. And the Bible's teaching us to stir it up. So as we start to stir up our life, and we start to look for that, where's that gift? The seed that God is talking about. The seed that God is telling me that there's a gift in me. And so I start to stir up. What starts to come out is a gift. And there's a gift in it. I couldn't believe I had this gift all along. And it was in here. Wow! I had no idea that this was in me. But what did it take? It took for me to stir it up. It took for me to work it out. You don't just sit around and you just all of a sudden, oh, I got a gift. No, it's in you. And you need to stir it up. You need to work that out in your life. When I was 18 years old, I had a friend that came over and he left his guitar in the corner of my room. And I knew nothing about music. I have no background music in my family or anything. And there was no, there was no YouTube during this time, by the way. That didn't exist. But I got on my knees and, and, and I, didn't even, I forgot the guitar was even there. It was there for months. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I know you've gifted me and I don't know what that is. But I pray, God, and this was my prayer, that you would give me the grace and that I would stir up whatever it is, the gift that you've given me. And I got on my knees and I prayed and the Lord told me 
As that guitar was in my room, he said, I want you to play that guitar. I go, no, God, I don't know how to do that. That's not the gift. That's the wrong one. It's not in me. I don't, I don't know how to do this. And that night, I'm sitting there. I grab the guitar, and it sounds horrible. I'm like, this is impossible. And again, there's no YouTube. I couldn't look it up. I didn't know what to do. My brother walks through the door, and he walks with a piano. That day, that night, and he says, Kenny, I bought a piano, and I'm going to learn to, to play the, the piano for the Lord. And I bought a book that teaches me how to play the piano. And by the way, on the back of it, it shows you how to play the guitar in case, you know. I go, John, you won't believe what I just prayed. You won't believe what the Lord just told me. And I won't forget, that night we got in our rooms, and we, and we prayed together, and we said, Lord, use the gifts that you've, that you've put in us. And, and we even laugh. We said, one day we'll be able to, to worship the Lord and, and do that together. And you know what? It was months later um, that we were in a Bible study and we were worshiping the Lord and we remembered what we prayed. And it was, it was, it was a gift that God gave me. And I didn't know. And, I said, my, and my heart wasn't, Lord, I don't want to be a rock star. I just want to worship you. You know, I just want to bring glory and honor with what you give me. And, and so if, if God gives us a gift and you work at it, God will move. So, you know, when I, when, I, when, I had, when I got married and I had kids and then they were all over the house, you know what I did? I had a, I had a, I had a guitar planted in my house and, and I stirred up that gift. Well, you know what? I started planting instruments all over my house. I bought guitars, multiple guitars. I had two guitars. I had a piano. I had some drumsticks and, and an old drum set. And I was like, Lord, just like move in the family. And, and I started praying for my kids because I didn't know how to teach the piano. I didn't know how to teach the drums. I can teach a little bit of the guitar because I really don't know how to teach guitar the right way. I learned the wrong way and I'm going to teach the wrong way. So I was like, Lord, you do. You got, they got YouTube these days. But stir up the gift that they got, that you've put in them, whatever it is. And, I'll, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something. My kids, in a matter of a few months, just had that gift in them. And they started to cultivate that. They started to stir up the gift that's in them. And, and today, all my kids play guitar and piano, both, all, all, both instruments. They play it well. They're not rock stars. They're not, you know, performing artists. Well, they've been in, they, 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 they do do some recording, praise the Lord. But their heart, that's not their heart. Their heart is, I want to bring glory to the Lord with the gift they, they have. And, 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 I, and I praise God when I see all these young people up here stirring up the gift that they have. Because there's people that have sat here for years and they have a gift and they don't use it. And they lose that gift. They despise it. If you don't use the gift God gives you, you're despising it. This is, a, this is precious. If it comes from God, it's precious, right? It comes from him. I got to use it for him. I got to glorify him. I got to be a good steward while I'm here because my days are short. I don't got that much time. So I'm going to use it for the glory of God. Not for my glory. Not so, hey, look at me. Look how I play. Look how I sing. No. Use it for your glory. And it takes a lot. I can't imagine the amount of, you know, you, Richie Ray didn't just wake up and play the way he plays. It took a lot of grinding it took a lot of, it was, a, it was a seed in his heart, and it took a lot of practice to get where he's at. It doesn't just come, but it's the talent he's been given. And I'm going to tell you, 
I'm blown away with the amount of talent he has and the heart that he has even greater than his talent because I've been in the room in there with, with, with Bishop and, and he's told Pastor Rich, he goes, hey, I'm going to call you up today to sing a song. And he looks at me, Pastor Rich, he looks at me like, like if he's scared, and I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, I wish you would have told me so I would have practiced. I'm like, you don't need to practice. <laughs> Come on. Like, just go do your thing. You're amazing. But that's his heart. That for you and what we see is like way up here. But he wants to take it and he wants to give it with excellence. And he even wants to practice. I don't even know why he needs to practice. But he wants to practice and bring it even better. Because that's what it is. It's getting a gift and saying, I, need to, I want to bring this to the, full, to the fullness. I want to run. I want to go to the highest that I can with the gift that God gives me. I'm also blown away by someone like Gerardo. I'm really blown away. I, I, I was in his house recording. I'm not a recording artist. He made me sound like a recording artist. And I was in his studio, and I was singing a song, Toda la Tierra, and, I was, and he was like, do this and do that, and I'm following him along, and I messed up along the way. He's like, don't worry about it. I can cut it up and grab all the good parts, and I want you to sing this part right here, and I'm blown away with the talent God gives him. But he's grabbing the gift that God has given him and taking it to the fullest to glorify him. And he does it with excellence. He gives the very best to the Lord because there's a humble heart. There's something on the inside occurring in his life. And I know I'm talking a lot about music and all that because it's probably the gift you think about when you think about, oh, the gift, the talent God gives me. But there's so many gifts that God gives people. God's given people gifts that they didn't even know they had in the sound. There's people that have been given gifts, people that are in that TriCaster and with technology. You know, God has given me the gift and the profession of technology. Well, you know what? I'm going to use that gift that God's given me and, and bring the best technology to the house of the Lord. To make sure that with the technology we have, the whole world can hear the gospel of Jesus. So it doesn't matter what the gift is. Use it and bring it to the house of the Lord. Get connected. Whatever the gift it is that you have in your life. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality. Well, then it's going to take for you to put something in the oven. And it's going to come with some mops and brooms as well. That's stirring up the gift that you have. And some people have an incredible gift to do that. To have the gift of cooking. Have the gift of, of, of serving other people. People have a gift of, of just talking to people. People have that gift of just being social butterflies. Well, then use it for the glory of God. And impact the new people that are coming into this place. And greet them. That will change someone's life. Like, wow, I'm so welcome here. And it's all because God gave them a gift. And they're able to use that. And they're impacting those people around them. Maybe you've been given the gift to write, the gift to teach. Use it. And, and you, know what the, you know what? The more you stir it up, the more you work it out, you become the Richie Ray in that gift that God's given you. And it's all for the glory of God. It's not so you can get some record albums. It's not so you could be a teacher on, on television or, or whatever it may be. And God may do that in your life. But the heart is, one of, God, thank you for giving me this gift want to glorify you with this i want to give my very best i want to stir it up i want to make it better i want to improve i want to excel all to give you glory and honor on the outside do it with diligence david played skillfully before the lord the bible says how many hours did it take david to learn to play the harp 
the harp is blows me away it's like there's no frets there's nothing it's just like you just got to hit in the right spot but it sounds amazing but that's not easy and the bible says that david played skillfully before the lord but how many hours did it take for david to play so skillful enough that the king says i want david to play for me he had to be really good but to be really good it was a gift that was given he had to work it out and not let it go to sleep and he was a teenager this was a harp and many people see a gift in full operation and say you know that, that's not for me but you didn't see the grind that it took for the gift to be ready there are many of you that God has planted a seed inside of you that has never been stirred up and let me put it another way God gives each one of us gifts he seeds his deposit in us, and the gift that, give, that God gives should come with a warning label, some assembly required. Because it isn't just a gift that just works. It requires some assembly. And he'll give you everything you need, together with your diligence, together with his grace, which, by the way, is another gift for your life. With God's grace, you'll be able to do it. Many Christians are expecting the products without the payment that it takes. You got to dig with diligence. You got to stir. You got to work the field in order to see the fruit. So I encourage you, get connected, be actively involved to our church, to our vision. Serve this family. But if your home is out of order, make sure you put your home in order first before serving the house of the Lord. And seek help if you need to. But it's important that you get that in order quick so that you can come back to the house because it's so important to serve. It's so important. Don't stay, don't stay home for the rest of your life saying, I'm putting my house in order. That's not your ministry to just put your house in order all the days of your life. It's to put your house in order and serve the Lord. Our treasure. Mark 8, 36 says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? And we, we talked about Solomon. What's going to profit? What is there? What is it? What gain is there to work and, and, and get everything I can get, but then lose my soul, lose my purpose, lose my wife, lose my children, lose it all. Where's the profit? Is it worth it? It's not worth it. So seek the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. For the Bible says in Matthew 6, 21, that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When others see the private light of, of your finances, they will know who you belong to. If you look at someone's checkbook, you can see where their heart is at. On Wednesday, Bishop quoted Billy Graham, and he says, wherever our dollars go, that's who your God is. And he said, you know when a man has come to Jesus? When his wallet has repented also. Hmm. We need to have dominion over this, not this having dominion over us. 
Are you honoring the Lord with what he's blessed you with? Are you giving God the portion that he's given you? I always tell the Lord, I always tell everybody, I'm not giving 10% in my tithe. God's letting me keep 90%. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me 90%. And because he lets me keep 90%, I want to bless him with more. I want to bless those around me. I want to give to the kingdom of God. And you say, well, it's difficult to pay that. I'm going to tell you something. Knowing that I grew up as a young man in the house of the Lord and knowing what my children have received from this, if there was a membership fee that I had to pay, my wallet couldn't afford it. And I would pay for it, whatever it would cost. Because it's, there's no value you can put to what's given in the house of the Lord. It's transformational. It'll change your life. It'll change your children's life, your marriage, everything. And so if it's, if it's worth to get rid of this and give it to God so that God can save my marriage, God can bless my children, I'll do it. It's all worth it. And so is, are you honoring the Lord with what he's blessed you with? Even the widow, even, even the, the, the poor widow that... Gave, that had, he, he, the Bible says she gave two coins but it was greater than what everybody else gave because she gave all that she had the Bible says it was her livelihood like it was her living everything that she had she just gave it to the Lord and that's more than what a, a rich man would just you know give a, a $20,000 check it was harder for her to do that and that's more honoring to the Lord because it's about the heart God doesn't need your money it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the inside. And so, yes, God wants to prosper you. Yes, God wants to, to, to bring provision over your life. And yes, you can enjoy it, but it's not about the enjoyment. It's about, God, what you've given me, I want to give it back to the kingdom. We need to pursue the heart of God, desiring to bring him glory with our times, with our with our time, with our talents, with our treasures, so that our light can shine bright. Let your light shine, the Bible says, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men. You see, when you give your time, when you give your talents, when you give your treasures to the Lord, God pours his blessing upon you and God uses you so much and that's on the inside what God is doing with your times and your, and your treasure towns nobody sees the grind but everybody sees the fruit and that's what's impacting the world let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and, and then they will in turn glorify your father in heaven When God does a work in your life and you invest in the kingdom in all these areas and you're a good steward of it and you use the gifts that God has given you, you're an impact and you're a light to this world and this world gets changed by that. That's mind-blowing. All because he gave me a gift and all because he gave me the precious time and all because he, he poured provision and I'm giving it and I want to further the kingdom of God with it. 
let your light so shine with every area of your life that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. Who you are in secret will be shown in public and your life will speak volumes. The way you live your life will speak volumes. There was one of the baseball seasons when, when, when the kids were, were smaller where, where there was a, a, a mom that came up to me and Jenny at, at the end of the season and she goes, hey, Kenny, Jenny, I just want to tell you something. I've been watching you guys all season long. I had no idea. Was, I felt like it was a creeper there, but she was watching us. But she said, I've been watching the way you guys speak to each other. I've been watching the way you conduct with one another. I've been seeing how you are with your children, how your children conduct themselves with you. And I'm blown away. And it was mind-blowing for her. And it was, and it was change, life-changing for her. And why was it so impactful for her? Because she didn't have this in her home. It was the opposite of what she had at home. So our, our life speaks volumes. And man, can you imagine? I just like, I didn't know she was looking. Can you imagine? I would have just burst in wrath and to my wife and, and anger and in and, and one of those practices. Thank God. Thank God that we have a sound marriage. Thank God that we have a sound family. It's not perfect. It's never been perfect. But it's a gift. It's a gift God gave me. God gave me the gift of an awesome wife. God gave me the gift of a marriage because his grace is there. But it's a gift that I've had to stir up. It's a gift that I had to work and grind and lay down our lives for one another and serve our, 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 our home and serve our children and discipline them. And then it becomes such a precious gift. It becomes a refreshing to this world because this world is, is looking for a hope. It's looking for the answer. And you're the light of the world. You'll never know when someone's watching you. They may never read the Bible, but they're reading you. And the light of your life is the answer they've been looking for. I'm almost done here. When we read the life of Joseph, the Bible says that he was, he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master Potiphar, the Egyptian. And in Genesis 39 verse 3, it says, his master saw that the Lord was with him. He saw. He saw that the Lord was with him with the way he conducted himself. He saw the outside. He saw the public. He saw the outward. He saw what was occurring on the inside because of what he saw on the outside. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. The work that God is doing inside you inwardly, people will see it outwardly. Because people will start to see, man, that person's prospering. He's successful in all that he does. And verse 4 says, Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. I 
I love Daniel 6. This is one of the verses that, that the Lord gave us to give to our children. We probably share it with them every time they start school. And they know it. They know it by memory. And, and, and so the Bible says in Daniel 6.3 that Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit, an excellent attitude was in him. There was an inward attitude in him. And it was about excellence. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Verse 4, so the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful. That's on the outward. Nor was there any error, error or fault found in him, on the inward. Listen, your inward is to glorify God. Your outward is to glorify God. And there needs to be a purpose and if you see there, Daniel got promoted. There's promotion. God promotes. You're faithful with the little, and you're gonna, he's going to give you much more. In every area of your life, that's how God works in the kingdom. Serve the Lord with excellence. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly with all your heart as to the Lord. Don't do it to men. I want to bring God my best. That's got to be our attitude. I want to bring my God my best every morning I wake up. How do I please you, Lord? I want to serve everyone around me, even my boss, the, the, my clients, whoever it may be. My brothers, my sisters who need something. I want to be the blessing. I want to be the hope for them. Use me, Lord. Let me be the light. We should be concerned about what pleases God, not people. Ask God for a selfless spirit and a servant's heart. Our faith is to be seen and be impactful. A right balance, not only spiritual but physical. Not just going through the motions and having no substance. There needs to be substance in what you're living. And it's a, and it's a balance that we can't just keep it private. We got to take it to the public. We got to take it to this world. Make you're shining your light and I end with this verse is Isaiah 60 verse 1 let me not lose you by saying we're, we're done I want you to pay attention here arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you arise and shine it means to stand up that means arise and to shine to stand out we need to stand up and we need to stand out. We can't sit around. We need to get up wherever it is in our life. We need to get up and use what God has given us. And stand out. And be the light of the world. Be the hope this world has been longing for. The people you work with. Those in your school, in your neighborhood, in your sports team, wherever it may be. Be the light to this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Your word is a gift to our life. And it's a lamp to our feet. It gives us direction, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would be humble enough to be guided by your word so that we can be obedient to it. For this is man's all, to fear God and keep and obey all your commandments, Lord. 
I pray this will become a reality in our life. Not just a word we hear on Sunday, but the reality of our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday. Use us, Lord, that we would shine your light so bright that others would come to fear the Lord as well and would glorify their God in heaven. Father, I pray, Lord, for a transformation in our heart, in our life, and I pray this word would do that, that we would renew our mind, renew our heart, renew the way we think, and realize that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways. Father, I pray, Lord, that we learn today to stir the gift that's in us, and that we find out in there that Eyes have not seen, ear has not heard, it hasn't even entered into our heart the things that you've given us, the things that you've prepared for us. And I pray that you show us your glory. Show us what you want us to do so that we can live for your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. And you are welcome to stay for second service with Pastor Rivera. God bless you.